Welcome everyone, welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. I'm joined by Dimitri from the Psych Effect Podcast. Welcome, Dimitri. Hi, Sean. How you doing? Not bad. Can't complain. Can't complain. I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to discussing this one because as people who've listened to the podcast know, love me some Star Trek. Don't really care about Star Wars. Sorry, but I can only be honest. But give me some Star Trek any day. And when you said you wanted to do Generations, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's make this happen. So yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat as you. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, um, but Star Trek all day. I know it's when people say they haven't seen it. And I'm like, it's a thinking man Star Wars, which exactly what it is. It's like people are like, you know, you, you can get adventure from a lot of films. Star Trek's unique. And I absolutely love it. And I, I think it's a bit, yeah, the modern stuff I'm not really with, but yeah, I tried to. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in the same boat. The newer stuff to me is not Star Trek. It's uh, space adventures with the label. Yeah, um, but yeah. it's not. It's not the cerebral kind of techie Star Trek that I that I grew up on. Um, I, I always tell people, you know, they're like, "Well, what's the difference between that and Star Wars?" Star Wars, it's about the story. And what's going on in the story and the technology just works. So like you'll never see uh, Han Solo and Chewie talking about Chewie doesn't talk, but you don't ever hear Han Solo talking about the warp drive. They just punch it and let's go. And Star Trek is very much it's it's science in the science fiction. So there's no such thing as warp drive, but they explain it and there's schematics and things are where they're supposed to be. And that's why I dislike the new Star Trek because they made it more like Star Wars where things just kind of work and they just do stuff. And the old Star Trek people were intellectuals and thought things through and solved problems with talking rather than shooting lasers. Yeah, and another thing that I dislike about the more modern Star Trek is it hasn't adapted. So I, I, I'm a 90s kid, early 90s kid. So I saw... Well, it's in the background of all our, our baby videos, like honestly, Star Trek original series. And obviously, I grew up with Next Generation. I remember um, little bits of watching some of the others, like Voyager, uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I don't think I caught Enterprise, but my dad probably watched a few. And, you know, every series that came along, the, the joy of a new series was who's the new captain going to be? Who's, mm -hmm. the, new, who's the new crew going to be? You know, people, I think the Star Trek stuff we get now, it, like, tries to make out how, like, modern it is. And it's, like, if you look back at some of the old series, like, like you know, the 90s series and the early 2000s series, like, they were so ahead of the time in so many ways. But they didn't scream about it, didn't shout about it. You know, you've got, you've, you know, you've got, like, a, a female captain. I don't think anybody cared because she's so good. And considering she comes like on the heels of Picard, who's arguably one of the best captains, if not the best, you know, it, that's a hell of a battle. But back then, they just made good TV. Whereas I think now, all the Star Trek we're getting, you're getting daft little cartoons. You're getting, you're getting programs that like they, they don't seem to want to stand on their own two feet. It's like oh, we need to have Spock in it. We need to have Spock's sister in it. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. The whole point about Star Trek was that moved forward and adapted and evolved and you know it was you go with this new crew on a new adventure yes it's 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 different 
but it's also similar. You know, you'll still have a lot of the same things you saw in it. You know, and it works sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. My, my issues with the new stuff uh, is that they have a lot of issues, but but one of the issues is that they don't sound like future people. They sound like modern people on a set of a future location talking in modern times. Oh. Um, they use a lot of modern like lingo and they act swearing very much as well. like modern people. Swearing is another oh. thing. Swearing is a big thing. Star Trek um, Discovery absolutely crippled me. I, I honestly, I watched it and I stood Honestly, hand on my heart, honesty, the only reason I watched that first series, the only reason was Jason Isaacs. End of story. End of story. Yeah. When I found out he was going to be the captain, I thought exactly what I was on about with captains. I thought, oh, my God, Jason Isaacs, love him, love what he's done, love the series that he did around that time called Awake. Thought it was a disgrace. It only got one series, but that's another, that's another argument for another time. Um, and I just love him as an actor. And I thought, oh, this is going to be good. And then... When he went, I was a bit like, oh, is this it? And, you know, there's characters swearing. And it was just like, this is not. And I, and I, I know people think it's a bit of a simplistic thing sometimes. Like, oh, you just don't like it because it's different. Yeah. But it's like, exactly. yeah, but this is this is not Star Trek. This is not, it's Star, not Trek. Star Trek. You know, it's, it's a bit Star like. It's, 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 yeah. The cursing, I think, was a product maybe of the TV at the time. You can't curse on network TV and this is streaming. So you can do that. But it's it's more than just that you're allowed to do it. It's that it wasn't necessary. I think Picard maybe said shit a couple of times, um, but like it, it just it wasn't the way you. Gene Roddenberry envisioned Star Trek to be a better future for humans, uh, where humans evolve beyond poverty and politics and and uh, you know money for instance, didn't exist in their future and stuff like that. They kind of fixed everything once they found out they weren't alone in the universe. And so they evolved as a species and they're just better. And the new Star Trek doesn't look like evolved humans. It looks like current humans, like that, that they are like transported and they just don't act this way. And it just, it doesn't feel right. I, I, I grew up on TNG. So like you, you're a nineties kid. I was a late 80s, early 90s kid. 90s was really my decade, but I grew up on the the new Star Trek. And Voyager, there was continuity, right? So you, you had TNG, Voyager, DS9, but all of them acted the same way. They were in the same universe. And you get this new stuff and discovery and stuff like that. And it's like the, the, the Kelvin universe with the new uh, Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't seem the same and i guess they're pawning it off as like oh it's a different universe than the one picard was in and i'm like fine but it's just it's not for me i i like you i prefer the old stuff i i used to have this when i was 14 when i was living in central florida i would record every single episode of star trek that was on repeat on i believe it was amc and i would just have it in the background like it was just running i wasn't even paying attention to it so much I was just doing other things, but it was on the TV, and I could name every line of every show to a point. It, yeah. it was fantastic. It, it, it never told you what to think. People know who listen right. to my podcast, and like I said, a guest that come on, like we've just had a bit of a chat about. I don't really have any rules. I don't get into politics because what the hell's the point? No one, not everybody's going to agree with me. 
you're going to alienate half your audience. I think this is an issue that a lot of modern films slash TV series have. They like to plant their flag firmly on one side That's of the right. argument than the other. Right. And the minute that you do that, you know, I'm going to stand like Picard, I hope. You know, you 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 give yourself a position. And at that point, you know, people will, will be with you or against you. And, and, and it shouldn't be like that. But, like, I don't care what your politics are. It's not relevant to this conversation. You're a lover of Star Trek. I'm a lover of Star Trek. I might yeah. throw a few jabs and, you know, taking the mick of, you know, bits of America, but that's just, it's just part of my humor. And Americans seem to enjoy it. Uh, feel, free to, feel free to throw them back. Like, you know, we're independent and all that. But, uh, <laughs> but you, know, <laughs> but, um, you know, jokes aside, it's like, uh, like modern Star Trek plants itself and says, this is how you should think. The best right. modern Star Trek we've got, the best modern Star Trek about a mile is um, the Orville. Which uh, you know Seth MacFarlane did first series, and it's not even a, Star Trek. Yeah, but it was done by loads of people behind yeah. the scenes who did Star Trek, and the you yeah. know it's got that classic theme again, and it essentially is just a Star Trek series in the mold of Next Generation Voyager. That's right. You yeah. know the first series was finding its feet, didn't know much about that, how much humor to have, versus it felt a bit like Star Trek with a dash of Family Guy, so it wasn't quite sure where to go. But then the second right. and then the third series were just absolutely unbelievable. And you thought, you can still do it, you know, and it, and it made points, but it never told you on which part, part of, you know, the argument to stand, you know, the first, you know, like Picard says, the first line censored, you know, the, the chain and the link and all, all that, all that. Whole, whole oh, speech. yeah, yeah. I love that. Episode. It's like, and, oh, it's one of the best. The thing is, TNG did have politics in it, but it wasn't, we're going to toss, it was within the context of the story. So, you know, they had inquisitions, you know, where Picard was, you know, there were uh, a, uh, an admiral that came in and thought there was a conspiracy on there and they were talking about free will and stuff. There was an episode where Data was being remanded back to Earth to be an yeah. experiment and they did uh, capacity, which is a forensic psychiatry topic, which is my specialty. So I'm a forensic psychiatrist. So it they did these topics that went into the realm of politics. There was an episode where a guy was escaping mind control from a, like a slave colony on his planet. Like they do these things, but they don't force the idea down your throat. They do it within the context of the story so you can get sort of the message for yourself. And, and modern Star Trek is very much, you know, this is, this is the way it should be and you should think this way. And it's very ham-handed. I think the best Star Trek we got that's actually named Star Trek was Picard season three. And even then I wasn't a huge fan of it. Minor Star Trek, the, the lighting is off. The, the old stuff, it was a future that you want to live in. You know, it, the, it was bright. They were happy. People solved problems. Do you want to live in the current Star Trek universe? Discovery. With eyeballs getting ripped out, no, thank you. <laughs> no, of course not. You don't want to live in this. I, I want to well, be on all that the, All the crew standing around and talking about the feelings and crying every other five minutes. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I no, do I not. Don't. No, I they do not. Yeah, I agree with you. It's they like these were meant to be... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. These, these people were meant to be the creme de la creme, the cream of the crop, the best of Absolutely. the best of the best. They were meant to be people who could control their emotions, in a, you know, to a point. They were meant to follow orders. It was regimented. It was militaristic, but in a non-militaristic way, which I know doesn't make sense. But it what you know what it was very much the orders had to make sense and all that kind of thing. And whereas now, they're just 
they just seem to do whatever they want. I mean, you know, and it's just like, this is just stupid. Yeah. Um, my, my favourite, talking about the politics, I was going to leave this till the end, but my favourite ever Star Trek episode was series one of the original series, episode 23, A Taste of Armageddon, where they find, um, they go to a planet and find two factions of this planet at war. And, inst- and they've been at war for hundreds of years, or it might even be thousands, and they don't destroy their own... They don't destroy each other's civilizations. They just essentially it's a war game played for real where when a building gets hit, it doesn't actually get hit. They just say to everybody, right, everybody in this building, please step into the uh oh, the disintegrator. And then, you know, the next generation uh, sorry, the 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 uh Kirk and the crew turn up. And Kirk, of course, um gets on very well with a certain lady. Who then is in a building that gets bombed and yes. you know metaphorically bombed, and that is a fascinating look at because the humans are kind of thinking at the humans and the other species on the enterprise are kind of saying, "Hang on a minute, this is this is insane," in so many words. Whereas the alien race that are fighting essentially say, "Well, hang on a minute, you do this, and you don't just destroy each other; you also destroy our civilization and your countries and your history." So who who who's the Who's the who's the one who's doing it the wrong way? And it doesn't tell you where to stand. It gives you all the way, and it, you know, gives you something to think about. I always loved films and TV, not all the time, because sometimes you need a, you know, you yeah. need the rock or you need a Highlander to just cleanse the palate. But I do enjoy watching a film where you you get to think about it and you get to mull over it. Like uh, I did Brightburn a couple of weeks back, which is a 2019. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah, 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 good, isn't it? I like that movie. Um, and I like yeah. films that like allow you to think about it and don't spoon feed you, which is something that irritates me about uh, about modern films. I haven't. Did I mention we were doing Star Trek Generations? Anyone? I hope I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was actually going to transition into that by by mentioning this because, and look, I'm supposed to defend Star Trek Generations, and I, I will to a degree. But the problem with the TNG movies is the same problem they're having with modern Star Trek. Is they they had to transition into movies. So they had to make things bigger and different. So Star Trek Generations has a lot of problems with it. And I don't pretend to be a perfect Star Trek expert. There's a guy on the internet. I don't know if you've ever watched this channel. It's called Red Letter Media. Um, and there's a guy on that channel, Mike Stokaska. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. But this man knows Star Trek better than anyone I've ever seen. Like he knows lines from episodes that he can name that I know the episode, but I don't like, I couldn't name the line if you just gave me the, but yeah. he does this stuff. And he did a great breakdown on all the Star Trek movies, including generations. And there are a lot of problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, for instance, um, the lighting on the bridge is that dark mood lighting that they are using in the new uh, Star Trek which I absolutely despise. Um, now, they changed it later in the movie, and they made it a little brighter, but that's when they blew it up. They blew up the D. They had no reason to do that. There was absolutely no reason to blow up the D if they had just, like, been a little bit more, like, intellectual about the situation. Um, their ideas of, of conflict resolution is just punching people in the face. It's, it's, it's just, there's so many issues with it. Um, the, the, the general, the plot was kind of dumb. Like this guy wanted to go into, he wanted to go into the Nexus and he couldn't just fly into it. 
and they had a line in there about like, why doesn't he just fly a spaceship into it? And Data says, because this was in the uh, stellar cartography room, he says, Data said, well, every ship that they've ever gotten close has been disabled by gravimetric interference. Great, but the opening sequence is the Enterprise B going in and trying to rescue ships from this gravimetric interference, but those people ended up in the Nexus. Yeah. He pulled them out. So it doesn't make any sense that he can't just fly the and ship into Kirk it. falls out of the ship into and space. And he falls out of the ship up in the into Nexus. the Nexus. Yeah, so yeah, the, the general plot is just, and, and the science of it is kind of dumb. You know, like they were on Viridian 3 and he's got to shoot a rocket into the sun. And Worf says that it takes 11 seconds for the rocket to get to the sun. How is that even possible? It takes eight minutes from for the light from our sun to get to Earth. Eight minutes, 11 seconds it takes this rocket. It's not a warp rocket. They didn't mention it. Like, it's just, it, it, there's so many problems. But, like, when I first saw it in the theater, I loved it. I loved it because I wasn't thinking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's I mean, so many good things about it. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, it's, it's just, it's, um, I was just thinking about, because I, I, I went to the cinemas for Star Trek Captain's Day, so I saw Star Trek um, 60 Undiscovered Country. I saw yeah. Star Trek First Contact, which I still say is the best film. And don't ask me why they put this on the end. Star Trek 2009, um, <laughs> probably because they had to. Uh, oh, God, the, the transition was so jarring from watching those two films. Wasn't it? Uh, to like it? watch that was like oh my god because I I've seen Star Trek 2009 twice I saw it at its 10 year anniversary in 2019 because for what it is I I enjoy it it's not the Star Trek I remember but I still I still enjoy it for what it is but yeah watching the three films back to back by the time I got to Star Trek the last one I was like oh god this is so yeah. I felt yeah. like I was it's getting so going different. dizzy but no I, so I see what you I see what you mean about Star Trek Generations I mean. I think it was one of the first films I saw because um, I, I saw the series and then I think they brought out like a Star Trek magazine or something. And I remember buying the Generations one with the DVD and watching it and Kirk meets up with Picard. And they make a lot more of that than, they, you, than you actually get in the film, to be honest. But yeah, I just loved it. And I, I think this has got one of the most interesting opening scenes as well, because it's one of the only times, or at least I can think of, and as I've said, I'm not, as you've said, I'm similar. I know a lot about Star Trek, but I'm not like an encyclopedia. So I'm probably wrong when I do some generalizations. But for me, I love the opening scene of this. Absolutely love it. That it shows like a failure of a Star Trek, admittedly, you know, getting fitted on Tuesday. Um, this you know, the the Enterprise B goes right. out with some special guests, and the these these ships are caught in the Nexus. Well, they don't know it's an excess. They just think it's this disruption. And they've failed to save the majority of them. I think they saved like 47 out of like 300 odd, something like that. And and I like to see how Picard, sorry, no, Kirk, sorry, is older. And he, you can tell, you know, he's not enjoying his retirement as much as he thought he would. And he's just chomping at the bit to to get back in that seat. Like you can see he's just thinking, oh, I no, I wish I had my time again. And they they get attacked. And, and here's an interesting thing that I never knew before. So Alan Rook, as well as a few other famous faces, Glenn Marshower from 24, uh, plays a helmsman. Uh, you also get, I can never remember a name. You get John Connor 
uh, John Connor's stepmom, and she's also in Predator. I can never remember her name. Never remember her name. She's been in a lot of James Cameron films. She play, she's John Connor's stepmom, and she she's is it Velasquez in in, in Predator? I can never remember her name. Anyway, her. She's in it as well. But Alan Rook from Speed, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, etc. It was Day Off. That's where everyone knows him from. Oh, yeah. Cameron well, Fry. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it was Speed because I only saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off a couple of months ago for the first time. Uh, being, oh, my being, God. Well, That's I'm one English. of the greatest movies I'm, ever. Well, I'm English. There's films you don't see. and I'm doing my best. But there's oh, films okay. I right. haven't right. seen that like Americans go, what? So films like Planes, Trains and Automobiles. I've never seen Groundhog Day until a couple months ago. I've never oh seen um I've never seen uh Uncle Buck. I've got them on DVD. I'm getting there. These are Films, my childhood. Well, exactly, but there's there's slight slight difference in what you get in what you get shown. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. although I mean Home Alones are all there. So you know you, you we mix and match, pick and mix, if you will. And um, uh Alan Rook plays the Enterprise B captain John Harriman. Yeah. And when he was approached for the role, he assumed he would be playing an alien. But because he said, I don't look in the mirror every day when I shave and say, hey, there's a starship commander. But Rick Berman told him that your character is from a connected and wealthy family and you've been placed in commanders, a stepping stone on an onward political career. So you're not here by your, you, you, your, your skills. You're here by virtue of your connections. This is just a stepping stone for you. It'd be a nice cushy command, the Enterprise B, you know, because we don't get told it's the flagship of the, of the fleet, we don't know it is, it might not be. And I think that explains really nicely why he kind of freezes because you don't see that from a Star Trek captain at all. Right. I'm talking like Enterprise before Enterprise, <laughs> Star, you know, right. Star Trek Enterprise, anything before 2004. That's what I'm talking about. And you never see them freeze, you never see them, you know, look around as if to say, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And I just, I love that part where. You, know, you can see that's Kirk. interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't Nor know did that. Nor did I. Part of it. Yeah. Nor did I till I read the trivia, which was quite. I didn't know that. So I like the fact that Kirk steps, he's waiting, he's really waiting. He holds back as much as he can. And then the ship gets rocked massively. And he just out of nowhere, he's just like, report. And I was like, just that, that whole pretense falls away. He's been sat there trying to be very, you know, there's media and everything. He's trying to be very calm and you know he's missing it and he's just trying to control himself and then all of a sudden the ship gets rocked and it's like bang picard from uh, sorry kirk from like 15 years ago he's just like right what's going on mm -hmm. and you can just see like there's the difference in a, a real leader and someone who's put there because their connections dictate they should be there oh and you i could go down a whole path of what i mean by that well let's Let's not go there, shall we? <laughs> In terms so, of real life, so the big thing—the big thing about this movie was because it's the first next generation movie. They they thought that they had to put these two captains together, and I think that's one of its flaws: is you didn't have to do that. Um, maybe you could have added that like later on into another movie, like later on. But the the point of this movie was: how do we bring these two captains together? And then they wrote a movie around that because they created the nexus so that Kirk could travel into the future. Because by my notes, uh, the Enterprise B was 2293 and the original series ended in 2270. So you're talking 23 years after Kirk finished the original series 
And then Star Trek Next Generation takes place in 2371. So you're talking 100 years. You have to move him in the future. You got to put Picard in the past. And you can't do that because it's a Next Generation movie. And I think that's one of the issues with it is they didn't, they created a story out of necessity, uh, necessity that they thought that they thought they needed and they didn't need that. But, but if you're going to do that, then how do you bridge that time gap? How do you bring Kirk into the future? I suppose this is a, a good way of doing it. It's just now we have to find, we got him into the future with the Nexus but then what do we do with it? And I think they faltered with that uh, to a degree because they didn't come up with a great story surrounding that. And when they put those two guys together for the last 20 minutes of the movie, I think it was, they didn't really do anything Star Trek-y. They just sort of punched the guy in the face. Made some eggs. Yeah, it's Rudder Horse. Yeah, I know what you mean. But apparently, speaking of Gene Roddenberry, they, this was the first film they made after his death. Yeah. And they allowed themselves to go outside of some rules he set. So one of the rules he set was, you ca- you cannot mix the crews. I don't want. And I know Star Trek um, Next Generation had a couple. I think it had McCoy and a couple of characters in it right at the beginning. First series. I think, they had I think McCoy was- in the first in the first mm-hmm. episode. McCoy was in there telling Data. Um, he told Data. First of all, he thought Data was a, a Klingon. Uh, not a Klingon. Um, um a Vulcan because of the way he was acting. Yeah. But um he said to take care of the ship and the ship will take care of you. But they had uh James Doohan in another episode where they found him in a transporter loop. The episode's called Relics, actually. And they, they found him in a transporter loop and he ended up saving them from like a Dyson sphere and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um so they did have that even when I, I believe that was before Gene Roddenberry died. I'm not positive. But you're right. What happened after Gene died was this this show took a darker turn because one of his rules was also that the conflict resolution has to be um, verbal. It can't be with fighting. You don't you don't fight to resolve problems in the future. You talk yeah. them out. And I think that that was one of the rules that they broke, too. Yeah, most probably, because. I think that's an argument that like, some YouTubers I watch have said that they love Picard in the series but hate him in the films because he becomes it's a like a different character. Yeah, and he becomes like a warmonger type thing. Yeah. He, he yeah. jettisons that kind of because even when I watch this, when he starts punching Soren, I was like, "This isn't this isn't what Picard this isn't him. This is like this is what you should have Shatner doing because that's Kirk. So that, that's gets, Shatner's. Yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. It all gets a little bit mixed in. But, yeah, the Nexus idea is a good way of getting Kirk into Picard's timeline at a point where he's still able to run about to a certain extent and still able to fight and still able to take part in the action rather than having him being 100-odd years old uh, where he can't really come along for the ride. I think it's also... I've just thought when when you were talking there about... It's a shame that... Not a shame because it's an unbelievable episode of Yesterday's Enterprise. I think some kind of plot ploy plot device like that would have worked in that like that i think that would have been a yes. great way of getting kirk yes. back because you could have had a this in space yeah yes. you could have had this but because they've already done it they probably go to the closest thing they can and well I the think- other problem is like you would have to have the rest of their crew and in this movie only two other 
crew members showed up. It was Jimmy Doohan and um, the guy that plays. Um, it was Chekhov, yeah. Chekhov. Wal- Walter Koenig. Walter Koenig. Yeah, Walter I think, Koenig. I think for, for, apparently it wasn't because they didn't try. Apparently they wanted to get all of the original cast. Correct. The beginning. They didn't want to do it. But uh, Zulu, well, it's not Zulu. The, the, uh, it's Takai, George yeah, Takai. Yeah, George Takai, oh my, said, oh, <laughs> I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, uh, it's, said, it's okay, it's not bad. Said that he he wanted, uh, he said, no, well, my, you know, Zulu's a captain. He's not going to cut, like demote himself to come back. I think they could have got around it. But he essentially says, no, I don't want to do that. And you get uh, Nichelle Nichols doesn't get asked to come back, and apparently um, Whoopi Goldberg isn't happy because she said people have waited years for this, and they don't get that. And I th- um, the guy who played McCoy, oh god, man, I'm not doing well with names today. Anyway, he he's too ill to to take part, so he's yeah. That, that's why, ch- yeah, that's why Chekhov runs off and beca- and goes. You meant you're becoming nurses because the. They were giving lines to different characters. Spock was meant to be in it, but then he basically, Leonard Nimoy, who'd always been very selective right. in a good way about what he appeared in, said, well, my character's superfluous. There's no point for me to be there. And to be That's fair, right. if there's one little bit of credit, and I do enjoy the film, I really do, Star Trek 2009 does is I think that's a perfect way yes, it's a little bit convenient that Kirk ends up on a planet that Spock just happens to be on um, the snow planet but I I love the way they get him into the film I absolutely love that that whole way that he goes on this rescue mission I, I just love that part of the 2009 I thought it was a really good way of getting him in into it uh, yeah not perfect but I think the way it was executed and done made a lot of sense Anywho, I'm uh, losing myself. Um, yeah, the look of the Enterprise B, very nice. Very nice. I love, I love that. I, yeah. And I think if using your idea of the yesterday's Enterprise with a rift in space, if they did that, maybe they could have gotten the whole crew. Yeah. Because, because then they would have been, well, now it's two starships and you have actual usefulness for them where they can actually be part of whatever issue is going on so they could have done something like where you know the enterprise d is called into some you know conflict between the romulans and, and the klingons and a war is going to break out and they've got to deal with all of this stuff and then this rift shows up like oh by the way we've also got this rift and the you know the a comes out or it doesn't have to be the a it could be the, the, the you know it, it it could be you know the b that came out you know, with all of them on it. And then, you know, something happens, the captain dies and Kirk is now in charge. Like it, it, there are so many other ways they could have done this, but I guess for what they had, they, they did it the way they did it. Um, and I, I liked it. I, I, you know, I was thinking like the Nexus sounds like such a great place. Um, why would you ever leave? Like why? Well, nobody did, did they? They got kind of ripped out of it, didn't they? Which was, which is not hard left. You know, it's like. Well, that did feel a little bit, did feel a little quick as if like, we need to get to Kirk. So just wrap this up, Jean-Luc. Kiss your fake family goodbye and get this back there. It felt like they didn't, I lo- I like this film. I, re- I love it for what it shows and I love the beginning. And I think I like the way they team them up. 
and I like the idea of the Nexus, and I like that. I just I like it, but I think I I could still see its flaws in terms of they spend too much time on other things. Like I know some of the other films, like First Contact, particularly the Next Generation ones, do for some reason bolster data up, which is not bad. Brent Spiner's great, but you know people like George the Forge are essentially just cannon fodder, as are. Martina Sirtis in Diana Troy, as are um, the medical officer, her name's gone. Um, McFadden, Gates McFadden. You know, yeah. um, what's her name? Oh, uh, Crusher, Beverly Crusher. And um, shut up, Wesley. And sorry. And um, you get, they just become kind of superfluous. Even Riker in this one. So I know they do it in some of the other films, but in this one, it's like, it's very, very evident because Riker essentially takes over the ship, and does nothing else. Worf, there you go. Forgot to even mention Worf. Worf, like a lot yeah, of the others, he barely like, does anything. Yeah, yeah, barely in it, apart from fly around when the ship crashes. Which I love that scene, but because they 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 have this subplot about about Data and the fact that he's got this emotion ship, which very much you know sometimes where they say when you watch you watch a film, you watch a TV adaptation, no film adaptation of a tv series and you go this plays like a, a tv series a tv episode kind of get the words out it plays like an episode that's been stretched too long that's what that yes. ship that's yes. what that ship yeah. bit plays like and you see how like i mean i only recently watched first contact that has a brilliant subplot for data in it and it really really works this one the kind of struggling and his emotions, and halfway through, they kind of give up, and he seems to just deal with them. And, it, well, and it's because, it's, you know, yeah. it's a movie now, and Brett Spiner wanted to act. You know what I mean? He wanted to emote. And I'm like, I, I always thought this, like, but you are acting. You're acting like an android. Yeah. There is no better acting than to act like something that something that's not human. What, you know, he, he wanted to be a human. He wanted to act like a human. And, and, and I kind of get the sense, like, God, man, like you just be happy with who you are. <laughs> they changed the size of the chip, which unless you're a real Star Trek dork, you would never understand that. Um, there was a, an episode where they pulled the chip out after lore and it was tiny. It looked like a little, like it just was barely as big as his fingernail. And this thing looks like, cause everybody's going to be like, well, it has to look like a computer chip. Yeah. And, and you know, look, Again, I said I was going to defend it. There's there's a couple of lines in there that were fantastic. And yep. I'm going to read them because I wrote, I just watched this movie in preparation for this podcast. Again. As did I. <laughs> and I wrote down some of the things that I liked. And these are the lines. And this is, this is, this is to me, is Star Trek, is when they give you this nugget of line. Um, and that's like sort of like a philosophical moment. Right. So there were there were two lines. There was actually three. So they were about time because this this movie's sort of about time and and how the Nexus is without time. You can be there forever and just keep doing which I may find boring after a while, but whatever. So anyway, um, what's the name of the bad guy in uh, in Generations? It's Soren, right? Soren, yeah. Uh, Dr. Soren, Dr. Soren. So he says he says time is the fire in which we burn. Time is a predator, stalking. We can outrun it with doctors and medicine, but it always comes back to get us in the end. And Picard, later in the in the, in the movie, towards the end, actually, I think it is the last scene with uh, Riker, 
he said, you know, someone once told me time was a predator. I like to think as time is a companion that goes along with us for the journey, reminding us to cherish every moment. That's Picard. <laughs> that, that was the only time he was actually who he was. Uh, but as a half kind of a cup, half empty kind of guy, I see kind of the, the criticisms and things more so. I tend to more agree with Saren that time stalks us and, you know, it gets us in the end. But we should cherish the times, you know, and, and I think that is those things were the most Star Trek thing of this movie was the concept of how time is there. Uh, other than that, it, it had a lot of problems, but I did love those parts of it. Yeah, and it also, you know, you have the scene where it transitions to the Star Trek Next Generation crew, and they are on, um, they're on the Enterprise, which is a, you know, an old-fashioned sailing ship. They're all dressed in it. They're putting warp yeah. on the plank. You know, to celebrate him getting becoming, you know, commander lieutenant, lieutenant commander Worf, and I love that. Um, bit of trivia: it's the the ships, the Lady Washington, and the actual captain at the time is the older gentleman that I think Beverly said. Oh, oh, sorry, Deanna Troy says take the wheel. That's that gentleman. Um, it's apparently owned by Gray's Harbor Historical Seaport in Aberdeen, Washington. Did not know there was an Aberdeen there. Cool, which was used okay. for the filming of that scene. And apparently they were having to cut all sorts from the film, like budget-wise and everything. But the directors and the writers were like, we're not cutting that. The producers were like, we're not cutting that. And it's one of those parts where it's like so intrinsically Star Trek Next Generation that I, just, I love that. I'm so glad it stayed. And a bit of film trivia, that same ship also portrayed the Interceptor in Curse of the Black Pearl. So there you go. Oh, and also, by the way, can oh, I just point out? Okay. Can, I just, yeah. can I just point out? Not not to you, but just, just the wider film community, if you don't know. Hans Zimmer is one of the best film composers we've ever got. But please, please, please stop saying he did the music because of Black Pearl. He was the music producer. The guy who did the music for Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, was Klaus Badelt. So please give the fella some credit, crying out loud. I, I keep seeing that. that. Yeah, I keep seeing it all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, no, it's did, Klaus Did Badelt. you... In that opening episode, did you see Tim Russ? Did you mention him when you were going through the the list of people that were in this movie? I was just going to come over. No, go for it. You you go for it. Yeah. Tim Russ was in it. Tim Russ plays Tuvok in uh, in Voyager. Yep. And he was in this. Now I don't remember, even though I just watched this, whether he was a Vulcan in this in this movie. I don't think he was. He's just he's just. I don't him, think I so. I think he was just crew. Yeah. Which he, yeah. which was fine because this was they made this movie before they made Voyager, I believe. I believe Voyager was just coming out. Yeah. Um, and so fine, the continuity is a little weird, but you know what? Oh, Doctor Who does it all the time. Amy <laughs> Pond was in an episode before she was in an episode, so was Capaldi. It, it's fine. It, it happens all the time. I enjoy it. Yeah, I didn't mind that, but yeah, I saw him in there. That was great. Um, look. It had this movie has flaws, but it was enough. There was enough Star Trek stuff to make me happy, um, and it was mostly the, the most of the scenes that I enjoyed them were the dialogue scenes, of course. Um, yeah. When Kirk and Picard were in the Nexus, not the part where they were on the horses because that was dumb, but the part where they were where he was making eggs, and they were talking about how, you know, 
the universe owes me one because I've saved it. The galaxy owes me one because I've saved it so many yeah. times. Um, and and the and the part where he was talking to um, Sarum about time and why are you doing this? You don't have to do this. We could find another way. Those were the most Star Trek parts of it. Otherwise, you know, I, it was fun, but it wasn't so much a Star Trek movie. Yeah, I'd forgotten. I think I think this was meant to be Defend It Yourself episode. Well, Defend It Yourself twenty three. There you go. We'll we'll rename it halfway through. <laughs> what I was what <laughs> what who cares? It's my show. What I am sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's a very emotional film, like to its detriment, and also you know in the other end because I do like what they do with Picard that he loses his brother and nephew in a fire because originally it was only going to be his brother, but then it was it was Sir Patrick Stewart who said no no kill the whole family. That sounds really dark, but he essentially said it's more devastating yeah. for Picard. It is if his whole family is wiped out. Although they don't mention the wife, but I'm not sure if she passed by this point anyway. Um, and I love like that because they have a few lines in here again, and it's like Picard talks about what you know that scene with Diana Troy where he talks about the loss and the name carrying on, and it's that feeling of like utter waste you get when somebody goes before their time. Because that's a completely different thing to deal with than um, th than when someone's had a full life and you sit at a funeral and you hear about all the amazing places they went, the amazing people they met and the life they've had. When you go to a funeral when somebody has essentially only had half a life, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, I just mean in terms of longevity or average lifespan, and you think, what a waste, and it feels completely differently. And I do like they had part of that in there. And I also felt lean to that. Get rid of the data stuff. Find something else for them to do. Le lean into that because I want. I mean, I know they do it more in first contact, but it would have been nice to see how Picard reacted to grief because in first contact, he's very much he's he's damaged. He's got PTSD. He's got trauma. He he's he's angry. He's got rage. He's you know he's he's got a whole plethora of things going on, which is fascinating, while still pretending to be high and mighty. Yes, I get why people are annoyed the changing characterization. But in this film, you felt like there was a lot that could be done there. Like, you know, maybe because they, they kind of hint at it and they have a couple of instances, like when he shouts at Riker and just says, like, Riker tries to ask him something, like Riker often does, um, gives his input, but not yeah. in a... And he snaps and at him. Snaps at him. Yeah. And, and I thought there's so much more there to play with and they just don't lean into it. The same with when Picard and Kirk meet. And, you know, you have Kirk who... Because when, you know, and I think that if there's one thing that he does right, I think Shatner captures Kirk's attitude perfectly, like the universe owes me one, that kind of levity. I like the fact where he's like, you know, they say, good luck, Captain, and he's like, call me Jim. I'm like, yeah, this is more of what I wanted. Like, why is it, why is it taking you this long? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think there was a lot... It's one of those things where, like, I enjoy it for what it is, but there's like a twinge of like regret that they don't follow through certain, you know, they don't follow certain things through or it feels like they kind of, it feels like they, they were trying to do a bit too much and they needed to be like, That's right. like you know, what do we yeah. like? Let's just streamline this a little bit. You know, maybe it, it almost felt it. like, you know, it almost felt like, sorry to cut you off, but they, they almost felt like they opened the, uh, they, had a whiteboard in the in the writer's room and they're like what do we need to do we need to give data emotions um we need to get picard and kirk together go and 
it, you know, some of the some of the stuff with Data's emotions, like I I really disliked the the part where he got he was scared. Um, do you know which oh, Do you know which bit bothered me more than that? Because that felt really good. That felt like something you'd experience. He didn't know how to cope with it. Do you know what I didn't like? And I didn't expect because I've never noticed it before. It's the bit when the the Klingon bird of prey blows up. The Klingon bird of prey blows up. That's hard to say. Um, <laughs> he goes yes, and it's yeah. like people have like I know like they are people, but not human. The people have just died. Like they were trying to kill you. I get it, but yeah, you know, but they've just died. Like this is, it felt so out of character. And not in a kind of a, oh, well, you know, we're seeing how it goes. It just felt very out of character and very like they wanted it to be a moment where the audience was like, yes, but it's like that that wasn't, it's not how it played out. Yeah, like you've got it. the, you know, you've got the kids and George LaForge and Beverly Cusher all running to get the kids, you know, brace for impact and all that kind of, oh no, that's a bit later on. But you've got all this commotion going on and, you know, there's fear and the, the you know, the shields are ruptured because they're like, again, again, another thing, oh, sorry, I'm going on again, but. The, the thing with Jordan LaForge and putting the thing in his visor, that doesn't go anywhere. It never gets resolved, do they ever notice? And there's no particular no. reason for it, right? Why would why would he care to put that in the visor just for uh, the the Klingon women, the Ursula and whatever her sister's name is? But why, why would he do – there's no reason – there's no – his whole plan was I need to get back in the Nexus. And that's all I care about. I don't really yeah. care about these Klingons. They're just a means to an end. Why would he help them like that? Like, there's no reason for that. He already gave them the, the Trilithium information. You know, just beam me down. I'll give you the code to open yeah. open up the drive. Like, there's there's there was no reason for that other than because they needed to destroy the D. So that was like another thing they wrote yeah. down on the yeah. whiteboard. We yeah. got to destroy the D because we want to bring in a new ship. And, and it's just, and they, they didn't have a coherent idea of what they wanted to do, but within all the flaws, they still did this thing. They had enough, they had enough, I think, Star Trek, um, you, you know, you like First Contact, everybody thinks First Contact's the best one. Um, and I guess they're not wrong about that. I personally care more about Generations, but the reason is because Picard and First Contact was so out of character mm -hmm. and it was striking when i first saw that i'm like this is not this i don't know what he's doing but this is not the same guy and you know you say he had ptsd and he was you know with the borg and everything but that happened in the end of season four and there were three more years after that and he never acted this way and yeah. they after he was assimilated they brought back they had an episode with hugh with the, the rogue Borg that was found on the planet by himself, which they nurtured back. They gave him a name. Mm -hmm. He had an opportunity to completely kill the Borg completely. He could have put a virus in Hugh, brought him back to the collective, plugged him back in. That would have been the end of the Borg. And he didn't do that because he realized that the Borg have the right to be just like anything else, any other species. And in this movie, in, in First Contact, he... Like he starts indiscriminately shooting machine guns, and you know he shoots uh, a crew member in in the middle of transformation and assimilation, just flat out murder. And I'm like, it, it it was so striking. He was at least a little bit more of a Picard in Generations, 
even though he was a little bit more on the kind of emotional end of it. And, and I guess if you lose your family and that's just the only family you had, it's going to affect anyone, uh, including a guy like him who's very, very emotionally closed off. Uh, but it was so different than what I was used to that it was it was striking, but not enough that I couldn't see enough of him in there. It was just the situations that the writers put him in, I didn't think were great, but he was good enough for mm-hmm. me as a captain. Look, the, the movie's the, the movie's not fantastic, but let's be real. This is a defendant podcast, right? This time. <laughs> <laughs> but but let's be realistic. The movie's not fantastic. Yeah. But of the three they made, the four they made, in my opinion, this was the best. And I know people are going to come at me with First Contact, but to me, First Contact had so many more plot holes than this. There were huge plot holes in this movie, but not nearly as many as First Contact for me. And and I think I enjoyed like watching it and like just being... I like this movie. I think Generations was better for me. Maybe it's nostalgia, man. I don't know. I was 18 when that movie came out. Yeah. And I went and saw it with one of my roommates in college who was a n- huge nerd, a Star Trek nerd. And I don't know. Maybe it's the, the nostalgia of that first movie. But I actually, as much as we've criticized it in the hour that we've been on, <laughs> I, I still like it. I still like it. And that's why I, I chose this one to defend. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of a film in that you can see its flaws. But because let's face it, right? Because it's funny we, we get on this because the lad at work today, he was driving the van and we were going where we needed to go. And he said to me, Oh, so when you, when you watch, he said, do you, and I thought it was a really funny question. Um, He said, Do you still watch films and enjoy them? Like you don't, you're not like, you don't analyze them all. And I said, no, no, I can still put a film on and enjoy it. Which I thought was, yeah, it's a good question, yeah. isn't it? For a podcaster, a film podcaster. I said, oh, yeah, of course I do. I still put them on and enjoy them. Stick the mummy on or, or you know, uh, 2012 or, you know, one of those films that I can just turn my brain off and just enjoy. And I said, of course I can. But sometimes when you watch a film, you know, when you're watching it, I said, like, tonight I'm doing Star Trek Generations, the Picard and the, because he's not a Trekkie. I said, the Picard and the Kirk one, it's where they meet up. He said, all right. I said, yeah, so I'm doing that. And, um, I said, but I will analyze it a bit more. And that's something you do because you're discussing it. But I think if if like me and you sat and watched this, I don't and I wasn't doing it for this, I'd just sit and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Exactly. So I think exactly. I think that's the difference. Like you can still see, yeah, it's it's not perfect, but I love it anyway. Look, I mean, one of my and this is you know, it's, it's at least a lot of people know my, my one of my guilty, well, no, my my favorite horrendous movies, Batman and Robin. I love that film. It's awful. <laughs> But it's absolutely oh brilliant. But, it's but, so bad. Yes, it is. But it, for what it is, I, I could put it on and it will cheer me up. And it's got nostalgia because I was giving it. Uh, my dad got me the video when I was a kid. You know, when I, when I was, you're I, think not I, was wrong. Five, I was five or six, which I think is the perfect age for that film. And that kind of nostalgia and love of that film has never left. And wrong. I did it. I did it recently for the two year anniversary about a month ago, and it's not lost any of its. It's, it's oh, you already awesome. did it. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, I was gonna say we should do that. That should be the next one. <laughs> well, it's Batman Forever. I suppose we've got about four. Um, oh man, 
Yeah, yeah, I know. But anyway, so that, that's all I mean. So like, that's what I love about films, yeah. that like one man's trash is another man's treasure. Like, you uh, know. Yeah, no, and, I I, think, and I agree I, with you, yeah. yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, like I could watch this and, and enjoy it for what it is. You know, it's still, if they put this on the big screen, I'd go and see it, because I did with the other Star Treks. You know, we've just found out Jim Cameron's going to put the Abyss on. Never been a massive fan of the Abyss. Seen it a couple times. Thought it's all right. Not one of not one of my favourites. But you better believe I'll go see it because it's about ten times better than anything we get now. Not everything, but you know, on the whole. Um, oh, back to where. Also, like you were saying earlier about the battles as well. Love a good Star Trek. The Federation flagship. They love telling you it's the flagship, don't they? They love yeah. it. Like, oh, this is yeah. the flagship. Oh, is it? Didn't know that. Um, and then <laughs> again, it's the Klingon bird of prey that's you know meant to be outdated and twenty years old, and that's all a little bit, yeah, uh, a little bit easy. But I, I did feel that like the Nexus comes at a time when Picard's emotionally compromised, and I don't feel like the like you said earlier, like he, he just ends up in a room with his family, and there's like the baubles keep disappearing. Which I think is an interesting visual, but they don't at any point show him as completely content. They show him as being confused as to where he is. He's like, "These are my children, <laughs> my children." Yeah. That's a good line. My but children. outside of that, yeah, like, um, uh, why is it oh, Americans always sound Australian when they do? Anyway, wasn't too bad. I'll give you that. I've heard worse. I usually sound Should Irish be. when I when I try to do a British accent. I end up sounding Irish. That's that's <laughs> fine. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Um, when when you get all that lot, and then just Gannon turns up, or the, this like shadow out of Ganon. nowhere, this, yeah. Imp, yeah, this imprint of Gannon. Like, well, why isn't there a Soren imprint? Let's not think about it too much. Don't think about it too much. It's like one of those things, isn't it? Just you know, the, uh, what was that? When I did Highlander, we reviewed that recently, and um, with a, a guest, I always have guests, and we were talking about how. My guest was talking about you either accept the rules of what the game or the film you watch it and you run with it and enjoy it, or you sit there going, No, no, no. And don't get me wrong, I have points where I go, No. Yeah. Um, but I think it's one of those if you go with it and run with it, you'll enjoy it. Don't don't pick it apart too much because you'll you'll kind of ruin the enjoyment for yourself. Um and um, so what I wanted to get on as well was to uh, was to Kirk's death because I think this was a massive um issue. So, as your viewpoint, I haven't even written this down, it's just off the top of my head, is your viewpoint of, like, Kirk's death changed from when you first saw it to, to now and, you know, the alternative ending and the alternative death and all that kind of thing? Well, when I first saw it um, in the theatre and he died, I thought, wow, that looks really, that's dumb. That was my initial first reaction because... This is a guy who's literally faced death nearly in every episode of TOS. He faced death in all of the movies. And he dies with kind of like a whimper. It's kind of like, this is how he's going to go out. He's going to fall off a bridge and just go, oh, oh my. And, and it just, it felt wrong to kill Kirk this way. Going, looking back on it now, having watched it many times since then, I understand that within the context of the plot. The guy fell off a bridge. He can only take so much punishment. But I still don't like it. Plus, plus, what I didn't like about it is you have the body of the greatest captain, arguably, in the entire history of your civilization, and you bury him under rocks on a hill on some planet. Like, well, I mean, I, I get the whole, it's what they call a cairn. 
So I, I get that. But for me, I mean, I think it's a lot better than what they originally had with uh, Soren shot Kirk in the back. And that was kind of it. And I think they were forced into making something up quickly. And I don't remember. I think it looks better than I remembered. And I, I think the whole oh my is apparently uh, he ad-libbed it and it was meant to... Uh, uh, Shatner ad-libbed it and it was meant to be like him seeing whatever was next, the next adventure. Um, I... See for me, this is going to sound strange because okay. I don't, I don't know visually how you would have done it. But for me, if I had the decision, I would have had it reset so when he comes out of the Nexus, he appears back where he was, and you again see him save the Enterprise, and then another wall rips out and he's gone. I, th I think that would have been, you know, like put it back to how it was because I think I wrote this down. The presumed death is great. That death of he saves the Enterprise. It's not even his. Again, he saves, you know, he helps save people in, in these ships. And he, he his luck runs out this time. And it just so happens to be the deck he's on and he gets ripped out. And, 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 and you know, that's it. He's gone and, you know, he, he's, you know, he's in space. Yeah, I, I think, think it would have worked. Fine. It's a better, it's a, it, it's, it makes more sense to the character in my eyes that he was never going to be somebody who, in my eyes, fell asleep in a chair. I mean, they could have done that. Costa could have, but I think with the whole yeah. bridge thing, they were forced because they had to be like, right, well, what, what can we cobble together? Right, well, we've still got that set with the rocks on it. Right, the, the rocks. What, what are we going to do? Right, build a bridge. He flips off it. Um, because it doesn't make a lot of sense. You've got like, you've got Picard who, I don't know how old they were, but he's the younger, fitter man. And it's like, it's Shannon who's like, no, no, I'll go. I'll go get that. Right, right. It doesn't, it does, like, yeah. And the thing is, I didn't think it was necessary. Like, they didn't have to kill him. He could have, he could have, you know, like, and this is probably very poor writing. Put him back in the Nexus. Put him back in the Nexus. Put him back in the Nexus and let him go back to where he, because you can leave, right? So can you, oh, put him back can you, in there and let him imagine, go back. Can you imagine? He, he, he helps Kurt. He helps Picard. Like save the the rocket goes, and then I don't know what happens. The Nexus flares up and catches Picard, who's on like the highest point of this rock. I'm making it up as I go along, but it's better than what they came up with. Put him on top on the he's on the rock. Picard's at the bottom. The the Nexus flares up, lightning. I don't care. Figure it out. He you then see him back in the Lexus in the Lexus. Jesus, back in the Nexus. <laughs> That'd be different. Back in the Nexus, and you see him riding. And I know it's a bit Indiana Jonesy, but let him off. It's a great ending. Oh, it would have been. And you see, you see him like galloping up the hill. You know, you get the beautiful silhouette. He gallops up to his, yeah. I don't know what she's called. You know, he gallops up to her. He says, you know, I don't know. You don't even have to have anything. Just have him literally going to the sunset with her and be like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's your ending. That there is your ending. Yes, it's you know. Yes. Don't, yeah. Don't I just add the story. I don't know why they didn't just put him back in the nexus. To be honest with you, and just be like, well, where are you going to go now? You know, Jim. And he's like, well, you know. I've got, I've got all of time, you know, to to figure this out, and and yeah. and that could have been perfect. They could have had a little conversation about time again, and then well, he could have gone. He could have gone back. He could have become younger. And he could have had this. He could exactly. have had the, he could have had the Enterprise days over again. He could have literally. He could have shown up next to next to Chekhov and 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 uh, Jimmy Doohan uh, in the B. They're like, you know, was there someone in here? I and then they turn around and he's standing there. It's like, Jim, 
you're still alive, are you? <laughs> it's like, like, well, yes, uh, you know, uh, you can't keep a good guy down. It's just something stupid yeah. that he says, like, all the time. Yeah. It, 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 they, they didn't have to kill him. And yeah. they did it, I think, because they're like, well, we have to kill him because he has to give his, that's the end of him. He has to give his life. And Picard has to have a funeral for him. And it, it, look, they did it. It's fine. They, they brought him back. Rock. He just puts a rock down and pisses off. I, I know. Like, <laughs> there's no emotion behind it. I'm sorry. I'm no sorry. kidding. Not just that. He puts the he puts the, and it pisses off. Literally, that's what he does. He I'm puts just them saying, under rocks and he goes and he gets them. I know it's crude. He's like, and the guys want the people. Does he tell anyone? Does he tell anyone? Like that's Did the he thing. Tell? Exactly. You've got John in the fudge with a with a with a knackered visor. You know, you've got Picard doesn't tell anybody about you know, you know what I mean? It's just I'm sorry to put it that way, but it's just no, you're 100 percent right. It's just you just book, you just book us off and you just like is, is that like is that, is that you know <laughs> yeah, you know, but well, this is the thing, this is what gets me when you do these things, and I know I've you know, I've no doubt producers, writers, they're under pressure. I get it. You know, you gotta get it made. There's a lot of money at stake, it's even worse now. There's a lot at stake, it needs to be done, you know. Just look at the Halloween films if you want to look at what you can cobble together. You know, yeah. you, 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 I get, I get it. I get that. You know, they don't have time. Well, they should have time to sit around and go. Right, what can we actually do? Could anyone think of a? Because they're writers. Me, me, and you are just spitballing, coming up with ideas, and I think we've come up with a few there that would have been I a much so. more satisfactory ending than so. what we ended. What than what we ended up getting. So. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, you could have killed him, but you could have had it in a, it's a, a different way, like that you said for. For a captain who's faced all he did, it feels very much like, oh, really? It, even even have him, I mean, I know it's a bit dark. I mean, the film's not exactly light-hearted, but you could even have Soren, you know, he, he gets injured. I don't know, he gets injured fairly. Soren shoots him and he's still alive. And then he get, the Nexus hits or whatever, and he ends up back on the Enterprise B. And, you know, I don't know, he dies in his friend's arms. Like, they come in and he's he's there. The thing oh, he's not there, great. the thing he's yeah. not there, they're like, oh, there was someone here. Aye, there was someone here. And they look down. And he's like there on the bottom yeah. rung and he's like yeah. clearly dying and he, you know, I don't know. You know, yeah, you know, so you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, um, but it, it, you know, rather than because if it felt like they went, well, we need to have this big death, but they, they didn't have the resources to do it because they did yeah. the film, they did the test audiences and the test audience were like stunned into silence apparently. And the producers, executive producers panicked and were like, get this changed now. Thankfully, the national park where they filmed it, I think, or whatever constitutes a national park there, the, the the rocks, they'd left the original structure up. It was meant to have been pulled down. So they're like, right, well, we've got that. Build a bridge. So it was all pulled together quite quickly by the sounds of it. So yeah. they do a decent job. And I think it, it, I remember it worse than it is, if that makes sense. Because I watched it this time. I was like, oh, that wasn't too bad. It makes sense. Exactly. Um, that's true. And you know, but it, but I think it, it still bothers quite a few people because it feels like you didn't have to do it. Like there was ways to get Kirk out of Picard's timeline, you know, because it's not like people were going to expect yeah. it to become Picard and Kirk right. adventures. But but apparently, apparently, see this is the thing. Apparently, the original idea was to have the original series um, crew and the Next Generation crew face off, but they couldn't find a way to make it work. And thank God they didn't. But they said we couldn't yeah, find a way to make it work. Idea. Yeah, 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 it would have been. But um, I mean, so it could have been worse. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm at the end of my notes. What about yourself? Do you? Oh, I didn't find yeah. out what your your favorite Star Trek film is. It Generations. 
They've established that one. In in all of them, including the old series. Yeah. So what's your yeah? What's your favorite film? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my favorite film, if you include the old mm -hmm. uh, crew, is probably the Voyage Home. That's that's oh no, that's probably four. Is that four? Four. That's four, isn't it? Yeah. Four. You know. You know. I will tell you this. You know what I should have said to defend because this was my second choice. You can um, come back when I put come down back, the other one. It's fine. I'm gonna have to defend the other one because uh, <laughs> I put down generations because that was the first one that popped into my head and I had sent the tweet and I'm like, you know what? Should I send the second tweet with Star Trek Five, um, the Final Frontier? Because people is that hate the whales that one? movie. No, that's that's four. four is the whales one. Is What's the, the fifth home. one again? The fifth one is when they go find God at the edge of the galaxy. Oh, no, I didn't mind that one. I saw that one. Oh, I they that one. hate this movie. And that movie, I liked it a lot better than Generations mm. because there's a lot of reasons. We got to do another one for that. Oh, yeah, but, we will. T teaser for anybody. We'll, we'll do that one. We will. I'll, I'll that, one, that one. I don't really have anything negative to say about it. And and I can I know what other people say that's negative about mm. it. And I have rebuttals for all of that stuff. So, whereas with generations, they say all these negative things, and I'm like, yeah, you were kind of right about it, even though I liked it. Yeah. Final Frontier, people have all these problems with it. And I'm like, you know what? That's so what? Like, but he's supposed to be this. Like, we got to do this one again. We will. I'm out of time today, but, but um, <laughs> I got to come back and do Final Frontier. Well, that would be a more of a, of a you know, defended, defended podcast. Yeah, well, well, you do another one, it's fine. It keeps the Defend It Yourself series going. Uh, and thank God I get to do Star Trek rather than the dross I've been doing. No offense to my other guests. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's been an absolute blast, Dimitri. Would you like to tell everybody, um, it's the shameless plug part of the episode, tell them where your podcast is, where they can find it, and just just, just right. beg for listens like the rest of us. <laughs> Please, so we are the Psychopath Podcast. We, uh, it's me, it's a, another psychiatrist, Stephen DeGraff, and a forensic psychologist, Suzanne Mignon. The three of us do a podcast. We basically have four segments usually. Um, we talk about random things in the first one. We do a healthcare stat of the week, which is an attempt to expose the disaster of a healthcare system in America with statistics. Um, we do a mental health segment, which is the primary focus of our podcast is to destigmatize and normalize mental health so that people can find um, hope and and help uh, to teach them about it. And we use sports, current events, and news events to sort of jump off that point. And then at the end, we do a, a mental health tip that's practical and useful that you can kind of implement every day. And that's sort of the podcast. We're on everything, Apple, Google, Spotify, any podcast app that you have. We're on Twitter. Uh, at Psych Effect Pod. We're on Instagram at Psych Effect Pod. We're on YouTube at Psych Effect Pod. We're on TikTok at Psych Effect Pod. We're everywhere. Um, so go ahead, like, follow, subscribe, give us reviews. We like those. But yeah, I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. No, of fun. no, absolute blast. An absolute blast. Um, yeah, very, very easy to talk to. Well, I mean, imagine with your job, you, you should be. But you know, it's very, very easy to talk to. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was a blast. I, I I love nothing more than diving into a bit of Star Trek, you know, thinking man's sci-fi, thinking woman's, thinking man's sci-fi. Absolutely. Thinking, well, thinking people's sci-fi. Next generation. There you go. Um, 
where no one has gone before. So yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for Dimitri for joining me. And he will be back. He will be back because I can't wait to do that one. Um, and you're listening to Review it Yourself, the podcast with the sigh. No politics, no pandering, no point. Film reviews. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. It's at Yourself Review. We're also on Instagram. It's Review Yourself Podcast 2021. And as Dimitri said, go over and check their podcast out. I need to do that myself because it sounds great. And I want some of those mental health tips. Uh, genuinely, um, I think we could all we could all do that. So yeah, if, if anyone's listening to this and this hasn't cheered you up and Star Trek's not your thing, um, go over and check out check out that podcast. Uh, but thanks for coming on and thank you to everyone for listening. It's massively appreciated. Get it in, get it on, and enjoy the vlog. Welcome to Film Vloggers. Oh, harder, Daddy. The only film review podcast, thankfully, that poses the question, does watching this film feel like flogging a dead horse? There he is, beating that dead horse! Introducing your hosts. First up, her Irish potty mouth turns the air a whole new shade of blue. It's Fiona. Say hello, Fiona. And why the f*** is Dan Mackers doing our intro? I'm what we called! That's great. It's great. She's adorable. And your second host needs no introduction. The man, the myth, the legend. Like, I said I'd do this. I said I'd do this for you. I'm not reading this. It's the guy who waffles too much. It's Ben. Cooey! I'm making waffles. So what are you waiting for? Grab your whip, mount your dead horse, and let's get on with the flog, shall we?